let's finish up these quarterback uh, predictions here, where they're where each quarterback's going to land on uh, which team here. Uh, let me go to the Jets. I think they keep Sam Darnold. I think they live out his rookie contract. And I think uh, Coach Robert Sala, former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, wants to see what happens. Uh, kind of, yeah, just, just just test the waters, you know. Um, and uh, if it doesn't work out, hey, you got this year's NFL draft. And I think they do draft Zach Wilson at number two overall um, to be Sam Darnold's backup because I do think Sam Darnold is going to play like crap this season again. And Zach Wilson will be his successor. So um, I think the Jets do try to roll with Sam Darnold. It doesn't work out. And then you have your backup option at Zach Wilson, who they draft at number two overall. Um, or I, mean, I guess they could stick with Sam Darnold and not draft the quarterback. Maybe they trade down the draft or stick what they are and stick where they are and draft a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith. Uh, who else? We got Jalen Waddle. Maybe they go with Penny Sewell there, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. Uh, not sure, but. Uh, well, uh, but yeah, that's what I got. I think, I think ideally, and um, yeah, I guess the prediction I'm going with is that they stick with Sam Darnold and then they draft Zach Wilson as his backup. If Sam Darnold falters, Wilson is in there right away. Um, what else? Who's the other team? The Bears. The Bears. I think this is very um, anticlimactic. Well, I, I, I guess it depends on the person you are if you consider this anticlimactic. But I think they do stick with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles at their quarterback spot. I just don't see um, them being able to sign any type of free agent to go to Chicago. Um, who knows? They, they could draft a guy um, this year, um, whether that be like Trey Lance or whoever it may be, but I, I'm I'm fairly certain that they're going to stick with the two guys that they have, like I said, Trubisky or Foles, or go f- uh, free agents. I'm likely thinking Trubisky will be their starter again, um, whether they like it or not. Um, Trubisky did help the Bears get into uh, the playoffs there this year, and um, I, I think they're just going to kind of be stuck with them. I know they want to move on, but um, I, I think there's not going to be a um, options available a ton better than Trubisky. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Um, I um, I think they do keep Drew Locke on the roster. Uh, Drew Locke was the quarterback they drafted. I believe he was out of Missouri, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, he's, I don't know, fit into the offense kind of well. He does for, uh, make a lot of turnovers, throwing a lot of interceptions. Um, so I do think they bring in a veteran guy, and this may surprise some people, but I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick here. And Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic uh, says he is likely going to retire. Um, this is according to, I believe it was ESPN reporter John Clayton. Um, Fitzpatrick did say he was going to retire. I think he says that, but um, – at the, at the start of next season, I do see him in a Denver Broncos uniform being the veteran there. Whether he's the backup or eventually the starter or the starter week one, I have no clue. But I do see Ryan Fitzpatrick being on the Denver Broncos um, along with Drew Locke there, their um, kind of established young quarterback. Um, and then the final one. The most interesting one, at least to, in, to me or in my mind, is uh, the Patriots and uh, what the heck are they going to do? Um, I think uh, – so I'll break this up into tiers I or, or um, uh, prediction levels, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I think I'll do my logical prediction 
Then I have a slightly bold prediction. And then I have a bold prediction or a very bold prediction that I'm not even going to say because I don't even want to jinx myself. Um, so I guess I'll just, I guess I just have two predictions or potential predictions for you. But um, the most logical one and the one I guess I'll, 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 I'll ride with here is um cam newton will stay with new england and then be the quarterback again for the 2021 season but i also do think they may draft quarterback in the um in the nfl draft maybe go with a guy like justin fields to back up cam newton since their playing styles kind of complement each other um so I, I think that's that's a potential thing that's the 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 thing i see um happening uh or they could just roll with cam have jared stidham be the backup and then you draft say mika parsons the linebacker at a penn state at 15th overall um so that's the most logical thing i know it's kind of bland i'm not going to say like deshaun watson or whatever or jimmy garoppolo or russell wilson whoever it may be i'm not going to go a big name like that because i just don't think it's reasonable um but if I were to view the Jimmy G option, I think it it could kind of roll with a theme that the, the Patriots have um, the potential of fulfilling, which is bringing back uh, guys who were on their previous Super Bowl rosters who had left uh, in, in the previous offseason and um, – a guy who's already coming back to New England, who was uh, just traded from Las Vegas to New England, um, was Trent Brown, an offensive tackle who's 6'8", 180 pounds, one of the bigger offensive linemen in the entire league. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was on New England in, in 2018 there, won the Super Bowl title, and then moved on to uh, Las Vegas and um, played for the Raiders there, had a Pro Bowl year last season. And... Um, yeah, I just um, I think Brown is has happier in New England now, and I, I think you have free agents right now like um, Kyle Van Noy and uh, Malcolm Butler, who was just released by the Titans. Van Noy was released released by the Dolphins. Those are potential players that could come back to New England for another opportunity, and um, they're, they're not too far removed from the system. Um, that that's been set up there by Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo and obviously Bill Belichick. Um, so I, I think th those seem like logical fits for those guys who are now free agents and um, maybe they do trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but like I said, that's, that's kind of my like bolder, one of my bolder options of what could happen. And Garoppolo did play for the New England Patriots there for a few years on his um, rookie deer rookie deal before he got traded to San Francisco um, for like a second round pick or whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess we'll have to see with that one, but that was the slightly bolder angle I, I wanted to go to with new England, but logically I got to go with Cam Newton returning at quarterback for the Patriots and um, surrounding him with weapons with the 65 to $7 million they have in cap space, which is like the third most in the league right now. Um, so yeah, but, but I, I will write down the very bold prediction I have and um if it happens or it doesn't happen based on moves that are made, I will make sure to unveil it to you guys when it comes time. Um, so, yeah, so that's I believe those were the last four teams I had to cover. So Jets sticking with Darnold, maybe drafted Zach Wilson. Uh, Bears getting sticking with, unfortunately, sticking with Trubisky or Foles. Uh, Denver 
surprisingly bringing in veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, sticking with rookie quarter or rookie contract quarterback Drew Locke. And then New England sticking with Cam Newton there, building around him to uh, to make him look a little bit better on offense there. All right. Um, so the, I kind of talked about some uh, some contract deals in the NFL here. A deal that actually went down was Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys there. Um, signed a four-year, I believe it was $164 million dollars. Um, just a, a big money contract that I believe Prescott deserves at this point. Um, especially after hearing this shit, it's being so annoying in the media, just hearing about all this franchise stuff when you, um, yeah, you just hear it every day when you know that, uh, Prescott is likely going to be back with Dallas is there's no trade or anything that's going to happen. Um, but yet they covered it so much with, even though there was such a predictable outcome, but anyway, this contract is is for sure front loaded. Um, sixty six million dollars signing bonus. Uh, he got seventy five million dollars in the first year. So yeah, over a hundred, yeah, one hundred thirty million dollars in. He's getting like right off the bat, which is ridiculous. And then um, obviously the the salary cap is a little different. Um, that gets dispersed more evenly though this year the cowboys are only playing paying uh 22 million dollars towards the cap um so deferring a little bit money towards the back end when they hope the salary cap increases again um because obviously with the covid year it went down for the first time in a decade um and it should go up above 200 million dollars so we're down about 15 should go back up 20 million at least uh next season um to where the uh, there's less of a burden on the salary cap um, with this contract. But uh, yeah, it's good that the Cowboys locked Dak Prescott down. Um, he's proven that he um, can get this team to a, to a good spot in the playoffs. Now they just have to go out and, and try to make a deep run to, to get to the first Super Bowl since what, like 1995. Um, so yeah, it's been a long drought for Dallas um, when it comes to, uh, Winning, getting to and winning a Super Bowl, um, but I, I believe Dak Prescott is the guy to get them there. They just need to improve the defense a little bit and um, continue to um, to get well offensive line help too, and um, just build the weapons around him as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it, for the Cowboys and for their fans, a big move that they were able to lock him down for a slightly longer term deal being four years and 160 64 million dollars um so good for them i want to move to um college basketball here and kind of go over uh niagara university basketball here quick uh the women's team they played two days ago i believe uh, against sienna there so uh the the local albany team um kind of a conflict of interest here but uh but uh still i was i was rooting for niagara and um unfortunately they they did lose in the first round of the tournament of the mac conference tournament um to to sienna there and a kind of surprised me but a uh, a player on sienna on their women's team isis jones is a seventh year senior so that means well actually let me just go through what her situation is so she went to florida and she registered that year and she transferred to syracuse and sat out a year because she transferred 
Um, and then she played a couple years at Syracuse. I think she might have played a year at Florida too. Um, and then she goes to Fordham, and I think she never plays at Fordham because she had a knee injury. Um, and uh, if you need another red shirt, you need to get that granted by the NCAA, which she did. So she had technically two red shirt years, um, and then sat out with the, the transfer year or whatever, or it could have been because of COVID, I guess. Um, last year but anyway um so yeah she finds herself at sienna her, her seventh year in the program here 25 years old i think she put up like 20 plus points against niagara in the game the other day um and she does have a chance to return for the eighth year which i think that has never happened at least in women's college basketball i don't know how many times it's happened ever in ncaa athletics i think she may be the first um to play eight years but um uh, um, in her academics, like she's taken full advantage. Like she's done, I believe she has the initial bachelor's degree. Then she's done three masters. Um, I think her main uh, study and, and what she wants to do in her career is communications and sport broadcasting. And at Syracuse, she did attend the Newhouse School there, um, which is one of the best communication schools in the country and even in the world um you have guys like mike tarico who works for nbc now obviously um he went to the new house school and and many others uh, did as well um so her career is set regardless it's just a matter of when she wants to go into the sports broadcasting career and end her playing career but like i said she does have that eighth year of the, which just seems crazy to me uh, has that eighth year of eligibility and um so she could very well take advantage of it um but that's uh, that's fully up to her because she's set kind of either way um uh, so that's what I got on the woman's side. It's kind of funny. I made that more about Siena basketball than the Niagara basketball. But um, the Niagara men's team, they're playing Thursday, I believe Thursday night. They're gonna. F they are the five seed in the tournament. I was kind of surprised by that because they were down more near like the seven, eight, nine kind of uh, a seed uh, throughout most of this season. But uh, they had. Uh, kind of a late season surge, I guess. And um, yeah, got up to the five seed for the MAC tournament out of 11 teams. Um, and they're playing the four seed in Marist. And um, I, I think that's a winnable game. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, I, I um, if Niagara's basically Niagara's three points shooting has to be uh, on point or else they're not going to get any. Um, any uh, much further in the tournament there um and yeah if if the three-point shooting isn't there then their um their season ends tomorrow night um but uh but you hope that they're able to be consistent from behind the arc and um and go on this run to to get the uh automatic bid to the ncaa tournament but um but yeah i just i I'm, oh man, I'm just not confident. I don't know. They need to prove me wrong a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll find out. And um, so I'll be watching on ESPN there whenever they play. I think it's like seven or nine, whatever. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, I want to go into more of the bubble watch. So, like I mentioned, um, whoever wins that MAC tournament gets it is an automatic qualifier into the NCAA tournament. And that's the same for every single NCAA conference to where if you win your conference tournament, then you get the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. And usually the um, at-large bids come from the Power 5 teams that didn't win 
their conference tournaments, obviously, because their strength of schedule is through the roof um, compared to a team like Niagara, who uh, their schedule is not that good compared to any Power 5 school. So um, so that's a, a bulk of your at-large teams are going to come from, like I said, the Power 5 conferences. Um, and a lot of those teams are on the bubble, the Power 5 teams, which makes sense. Um, and right now... You have, if you're looking at ESPN's bracketology with Joe Lenardi there, you have the last four buys being Michigan State, Virginia Commonwealth, Louisville, Georgia Tech. So three of those four teams are power five teams. Then you have last four in Drake, Boise State, Colorado State, Xavier. So Xavier being in the Big East Conference kind of on, it's like a fringe power five. I don't know. It's kind of weird with the Big East. But then you have Boise State, Colorado State, and Drake who all, uh, three of those teams being kind of mid-major programs. Uh, Mountain West is also one of those teams who are a little bit stronger uh, conference than, say, Drake, who's in the Ohio Valley Conference. But um, but but regardless, like those teams being in the last four and not a comfortable spot to be in. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, the Mountain West is actually interesting because you have Boise State, Colorado State, and then if you go to the first four out, you have Utah State, who's also trying to get into the tournament. Um, so you would expect that one of those three teams has to make a deep run uh, to to increase their tournament chances of getting the uh, the at large bid there if they don't win the conference tournament. Um, but I I want to stick to the I don't want to get too carried away here. I want to stick to the Power Five teams specifically, maybe three or four teams. I want to kind of highlight. And the first one is Michigan State, and Michigan State uh, didn't it didn't look too good for them. The, the, their tournament chances, I think they've made like 20, 22 consecutive appearances, um, and that was it's kind of in jeopardy right now. But uh, what they've done in the tail end of this season uh, it should very well put them in the tournament. I think winning the first round of the Big. 10 tournament this week they play maryland in the 9-8 matchup if they beat maryland and and go on to face michigan there in the quarters then uh then they'll be in regardless no doubt um if maryland beats michigan state i definitely think maryland's in at that point because i think right now maryland's sitting at around the 10 seed um so so there's a little bit of buffer there i think the um if you're a last four team in, you have to play in a playing game at the start of the NCAA tournament. So it's technically a 68 team field. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I believe that's the 12 seed line is, is when those games are going to be played for the teams that just got in. Um, and so so like I said, Maryland's in, in, in a comfort area right now being that in the 10 seed range. So if they win, they're obviously in and it just brings up a bigger question mark for Michigan State if they lose that game. Um, but, I mean, since uh, just, just the fact that Michigan State, I mean, they've beaten in their last – this is since since February 23rd. They've beaten, at the time, fifth-ranked Illinois, fourth-ranked Ohio State, and then second-ranked Michigan. So the way they've closed this season, well, they did lose to Maryland. It was kind of fun. They lost to Maryland by 18 points. So that that's what makes this this first round game for them interesting in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but yeah, anyway, the, the 
those wins against Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan, I mean, that should really push Michigan State into the tournament there, um, regardless of if they lose or not to Maryland. Um, so, but yeah, the, just because of the power five factor, I, both of those teams just seem like they have a good shot, both Michigan and Maryland. Um, so that's, that's what I got for those two Big Ten squads. I want to also talk about... Um, Actually, I want to wait on. Actually, let me. Yeah, I'll talk about Syracuse, and then this will lead me into the last team I want to talk about. So Syracuse, I thought was was out completely after they lost to Duke. What was that last week? Two weeks ago, I thought Syracuse was done, and um, turns out that's not the case because uh, Joe Lenardi currently has them as the first four out. Like I said, I have mentioned Utah State before. Um, you got St. Louis and. Memphis as well. That's in that group with Syracuse. But yeah, Syracuse had a big win against NC State today um, to push them into the next round of the ACC tournament. And they are playing the one seed in the tournament in Virginia. And I'll just make this real simple for Syracuse. If you lose, your chances are I mean, I guess they're still good, but not as good and make you sweat a little bit when it comes to selection Sunday, this Sunday. Um, but if you beat Virginia, no doubt, absolutely in the tournament for Syracuse, um, proving me wrong, I guess, because I thought they were, I mean, if they lost to Duke, then they were like, they were completely out of the picture. I don't think they were even part of the next four out after that loss to Duke. So like I said, if Syracuse beats Virginia, I think 100% they are in the tournament. Um, if they lose to Virginia, even after the win, the pretty convincing win against NC State um, uh, today, I do oh, man, that's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a nail biter when it comes to <laughs> Selection Sunday. Um, and uh, Duke actually. I mean, Duke has to make a deep run. I think at this point, Duke actually has to win the ACC tournament miraculously to get into the, the tournament at this point because they had a um, they had a t terrible end to the season. They were set up if they did well in their last three games to to be in a tournament spot, but they did not take advantage of the opportunity. And um, and yeah, now they're sitting completely outside of the picture unless they make a deep conference tournament run. But anyway, Duke does play Louisville and. If Louisville happens to beat Duke, uh, I would think that Louisville gets in because they are the last four by. So if Louisville just holds serve with their seeding in the tournament, they are the seventh seed. Duke is the tenth seed. If Louisville beats Duke in the conference championship in there in the ACC conference tournament, um, then I see them being in as well. Um, so Louisville was the fourth team I wanted to talk about there in, in, a little bit more in depth. Um, but yeah, it's going to be um, a situation to where if you have these power five teams holding serve or even doing better than they're expected against teams who are no doubt already in the tournament, e even if they don't win their conference tournament, then um, then it's a, it's a dangerous place for these mid-major schools. Like I said, Drake, Boise State, Colorado State. Utah State, even a team like VCU or Xavier, like dangerous territory for those teams because those power, <laughs> those power five squads are going to be trucking towards a spot in the tournament when um, 
that you're going to have these coy dogs of these these mid-major programs just hanging on by a thread. Um, but like I said, Sunday, Selection Sunday is always interesting to see what teams are in and out. Um, so I, I definitely recommend watching that when it comes time. And um, I'll probably get into, because we do have a lot of games happening um within these next couple days so when i uh, do friday's episode I'll, I'll probably maybe talk about some bubble teams more once i get a better idea after these results um all right i think what else do i got in regards to the tournament i think that's it i think that's all i got i'm I, like i said i'll touch more on it on friday there and then obviously i'll have reaction uh was this will be on monday when the tournament field is actually re- unveiled and um when everybody starts having fun with all their bracket picks as well um but yeah that's all i got um for today's episode apologies for the, the late release uh just a crazy crazy college week going on with midterms and all that stuff so um but i'm happy i was able to record and get this out at least uh even though it's a, it's a late wednesday night release um i'm still happy i was able to get it out um so so yeah so um other than that that's all i got and i will see you all on friday <laughs>